Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Salutations, my fine metal yeah. friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. I am Chicken Chuck. And I am Godless. And this As is our we weekly all. bunch of insights into all things metal or something similar to that effect. Uh, yes, we're coming to you from the glorious balcony at the Austin Convention Center. Uh, it's lovely out here. South by South Southwest, by Southwest 2014. So you know we had to we had we had to make a few accommodations as far as uh, what how we were recording this week. Yeah, it's uh, but the schedule has gotten complicated. Gosh, darn it! Oh. Uh, certain things get complicated. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we're 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 powering through it. We're powering through it. it during may sound a little bit different this week. Absolute busiest week of our lives. I know, right? And just <laughs> we're gonna try to shove a couple more things in there and shuffle this and shuffle that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we couldn't leave you without a fresh podcast on Monday, so we had oh, to, yeah. we had to sit down and record this, man. And uh, on this one, we are going to talk to none other than Wendy Dio. Ooh. Now, this she got, like, she she cracked the joke that I think is the funniest Dude, joke. that cracked me up. That has ever been cracked on the show. I mean, I've, like, that made me go, yeah. like, squeed a little bit on that one. It was uh-huh. like, I think I peed myself just at that. <laughs> and it wasn't even, like, a joke joke. That's what was great. <laughs> it was totally awesome. But no. she knew exactly what she was doing. I just am not sure if she knew that we knew. I think she knew we knew when we <laughs> laughed at her laugh. Yeah, right. Once yeah. we laughed. Yes. Yeah. Once we laughed, she knew exactly what happened. So, <laughs> But beyond that, it's very interesting because we got to talk to her uh, a lot about her relationship with Ronnie. And, and uh, you know, his uh, his untimely end and uh, his bout with cancer. And, uh, and also, you know, what uh, you need to get your ass checked, guys. All right? Yep. Get your ass checked. So yep. there, there's a lot of that. Yep. I mean, maybe not in so many words, but still, you mm-hmm. need to get your ass checked. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the two-finger shuffle. It's it's, it's good for you. Oh, wait. You only get two? It's a tickle. It's just a, t- <laughs> it's a pinch, then a tickle, and then, uh, yes, a relief. <laughs> done and done. But we also wanted to talk about this. It was weird. I was a little, I was flipping through uh, what was a, oh, it was Metal Injection. I was reading Metal Injection this week, and I read... Um, I read Rob's article on on radio because the number one song on rock radio right now, which is frightening because um, it's not very good, is uh, The Pretty Reckless. Heaven knows. Have you ever heard that song? Nope. Never heard it? Never heard it. You know who Taylor Momsen is? No idea. Not even from like the nudie pictures? Oh. Well, not nudie picture, but you, you know, like the sexy the pictures. Of clad. She's she's kind of gorgeous. She really is. She's kind of huh. gorgeous, um, and not the worst voice. In the world, okay, you know, yeah. Not, not. I don't know. It's you can forgive it, a lot. It's kind of hard to. It, it, to me, it's better than Nickelback, but it's about the same thing. Oh, you know, bummer. When it comes down to it, but it's a great band name. The article basically dealt with the state of rock radio, and ultimately, the conclusion was rock radio sucks and has no real purpose anymore because the top 40 chart for rock radio right now features none other than black sabbath war pig sweet child of mine from guns and roses acdc back in black uh and if you go down like into the 40 40 you get you get uh, uh nickelback and a few other ba- a few other bands a lot of stuff that's been out for a while and not a lot of new music 
And the point kind of was was that how is it possible that Rock Radio's Top 40 doesn't include more new music? And it's all this old shit that's stacked up in there instead of something something new, whether it's Five Finger Death Punch or Corn or even some of that stuff that might fit Rock Radio. Why is that stuff not, not up there? And I think the takeaway was that, you know, it's just not relevant. They don't see what the, the forest for the trees. You can't kind of see that sort of thing. And I completely disagree. You, oh, I can't wait to hear this. How uh, could you possibly? Let's hear it. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think rock radio is stale. It definitely needs a needs a, a little facelift here and there. But the problem is, is that I, I really think that when you're looking at a chart like this, this is kind of an aggregator of spins. So you see how many spins that that the station is spinning whatever songs there are. Right. And our, I, I work for one kind of rock station. I'm on an alternative station, but I work for another rock station. And the difference is when you lump all rock stations together, sometimes they don't play new music. So ours used to have a thing called the Sweet 16, which was all the bands that you could play any time of the day. One, At least one, maybe four per hour would play. Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Black Sabbath, ACDC. Like the, I'm the, surprised Sabbath even makes that list. I mean, Sabbath makes a list very, with like three fairly. songs. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, you know, Iron Man, War Pigs, and... Iron Snow Man. Blind. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Train. Wait, no, that's not Sabbath. Yeah. Something like that. But... My point being is that that when they group radio together like this in rock formats, a lot of time you'll have the active rock format, which is when they play the new music. You know, they'll play a little bit of new music, but a lot of classic as well. And then they'll group together the other rock stations that play nothing but old stuff. And you come up with 5,000 spins for War Pigs right. because it's playing every, every other hour yeah. or something like that. And that's why you get a skewed result when you see something like this if you're just looking at those particular stations. What they need to do is split it into two different formats. And most and like industry like radio industry trades do. Right. Like that's one thing that a lot of radio industry trades actually do break it down by active rock, rock, triple uh, A, alternative. Like they've got more granular format breakdowns because active rock will actually have a top forty chart. So there's my explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Radio's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> That's such baloney. So that was me that this was, is, that, that was this me is, explaining it yeah, is what it this was. This is this is this really is you know what this is like reading that chart at the end of the patient's bed that tells you it is soon about to die. Fine. It really is. I mean I mean you look at that list, how much of that list, even the new stuff is relevant in any way, shape, or form to audience now. I don't think there's people who find any of that stuff particularly relevant. I mean, yeah, there's Pink Floyd fans and Black Sabbath fans and ACDC fans, but even those people have got to admit there's way too much ACDC, Black Sabbath, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin on the frickin' radio. No, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. Like, I totally, I totally think that is, that's a valid statement. But I think what I read out of this article was basically that Rock radio doesn't touch new artists, and, yes. and new artists don't have a, a chance to get into rock radio. Well, it's because they're just like everybody else who's old. They don't want to take any chances. I mean, you 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 know, you look at every single industry that is being just you know uh, has a grip uh, uh, the grip on it is being held by these baby boomer 
decaying fingers. Right before they just don't want to let go, so they're not going to take any chances with anything, even stuff that sounds exactly like the stuff that's always worked. They're not going to take a chance as long as those people are still in their jobs until they get replaced by a new generation. Nothing gets changed. But I think the proof is in you see it happening with new artists that that come out, but it's got to be something that has got legs already. It's already kind of grown on the internet. They've already got a following. You can kind of already see it moving. That's why Five Finger Death Punch is successful on on active rock radio. That's why something like Taylor Momsen and the Pretty Reckless are are successful at rock radio. Really? Or do you think that they're successful because there was somebody, some corporation somewhere, put a bankroll behind it? Well, that too. I mean, there there is some of that. I mean, that's a major label, and and she's pretty. Yep. (laughs) So, I mean, that that, that goes along with you know, you go to the radio convention, you convince every program director. I'm sorry, you don't predi- you convince every program director because program directors don't make decisions. You convince those two or three program directors right. who matter, and those people then sell it to everybody else as, as this is what you need to do. And nobody wants to be called out for putting something on the radio that, that might uh, uh, actually... Uh, 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 fail, God forbid. Instead, they're going to let somebody else make the mistake because they don't want to make, they don't want to take any chances. That's sort of the way that you know, whether it's labels or radio or whoever looks at the internet, right? You know, the the old model looks at the new model and says, "Well, there's your proving ground." As soon as they've taken the time to to prove themselves on the internet and get a million followers on Facebook, next thing you know, boom, they're on the radio. You know, I don't even know if that happens. I, I, I think it does. I, th- I think it starts to happen. You know, I mean, I think it's a chicken or the egg thing more often than not. Because I, I still think that radio will not break artists. Because I think that's too, especially in rock radio. I just don't think it happens like that anymore. You know, where some DJ somewhere plays some band, and next thing you know, and somebody picks it up and hey, have you heard this? Have you listened to this? And it spreads like wildfire or something like that. I just don't think that happens anymore. But at the same time, I don't think it's right to say that it doesn't influence ticket sales. Otherwise, I wouldn't see Five Figure Death Punch on the top of Mayhem Festival. See, I don't think anything has changed in 20-odd years and and going back even further. You know, the, the Black Album would not have gotten any airplay, MTV, radio, anything without, you know, as long as it was on Megaforce. You know, it needed to be on a major. It, it needed True. to have uh, 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 Bob Rock completely defecating on everything Metallica <laughs> had ever done. And and, and th- that that was all necessary for that to million, happen. Uh, 16 million records, exactly. bro. But, you know, it's not about the merits of the music. The, the music was, it really doesn't matter. It mattered about how it was sold to the people who make the decisions for the lemmings out there who still listen to this archaic technology. But there is still, it, it is still an art form to choose what the lowest common denominator will enjoy to find the hit. There is still. When's the last a time? Formula. There's still. And when's it's still the last a judgment time call. you heard a rock station put something on the radio that didn't work? When was the last time I listened to a rock station exactly. that played new music? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I listened to, like I said, ours is a classic rock station. Mm-hmm. So, so I we really don't really in Austin we don't really have a like rock rock radio. I mean, the like I said, the one I'm on is alternative. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I play Passion Pit before my metal show comes on. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's really weird being on that station. But the the rock station doesn't even 
touch new music. So no, nothing before, no, nothing after 1984, 85, something like that. So it's kind of weird to 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 even think about it. But in you know just a one market away in San Antonio, they've got one of the premier rock stations in the country with the mm-hmm. uh, Kiss, 99.5 Kiss. You know, you listen to them, and they're still break. They play that pretty reckless. They play that the Five Finger Death Punch. They play the New Corn. They play that stuff, and that's still that's what's considered active rock. So I mean, I think they're still breaking that stuff. Yeah, I just think at this point, rock stations, those you know, the the traditional old school, nothing after 1985. Uh, those stations are just doing the same thing that was done years ago when every market had a, a channel that played nothing but oldies. And it sometimes two, and they just played, you know, your uh, uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons and your Motown, the stacks of wax, and all that stuff. Yeah, and and you know that that music was great. You can't find that on the radio now because everybody who used to listen to it died. Has yeah, has died. Yeah. So so the, the same thing will happen to the people who are listening to ACDC and Pink Floyd and all that stuff. Uh, but in the meantime. W- Everybody's waiting for what is the new format? What's the new thing? How do new artists get discovered? And and you know what? There's college radio isn't doing it. That college radio is what broke Nirvana and broke uh, 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 Smashing Pumpkins and all that stuff. It, 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 all of a sudden, you got alternative stations popping up in markets to compete with the college radio that people everybody was turning their dials to 88.3 and 88 point way down low on the dial. So they had to compete with it. So then they did the alternative format. Uh, but that was college rock and that isn't happening now and I'm not blaming college radio stations I'm just saying that that's happening on the internet but there's no there's nobody in radio who is able to take all of the disparate things that are happening that are interesting on the internet and try to figure out a way to boil it down to one genre because I don't think you can uh, yeah I, don't th- I think I'm it's almost so sure impossible either. yeah but that but that you know that doesn't mean that this old style of format is completely dead either Oh, yeah. it's just dying. Well, no. See, I don't. I I disagree. I because if you look at any of the statistics out there about radio, and trust me, being in radio, <laughs> you gotta listen. To uh, you you get fed a lot of statistics <laughs> about how awesome radio is. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I mean, we can say a lot. No, there's like sixty three percent of people that uh, that listen at least once a week. And blah 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 blah. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of stats that show that people still turn on the radio yeah. for whatever reason. It's because you got to commute, you got this, you got that, you got all kinds of things. And those things are changing too. And people are listening to different stuff. But I think, you know, as we break things down farther and farther and farther, people are able to just completely choose the one thing that they want. Right. Or well, it, you, something you, like just that one thing. Yeah. What What's great about the internet, and that's dis- different from college radio and anything else that's happened before, is the way that the internet is able to narrow cast. We now can pay attention to only exactly what we want in that given moment that we want one specific thing that can come to us at that moment Mm -hmm. you can go online and you can find that exact song that you want to hear in that moment you don't have to put on the radio and wait for two or three hours before they play that song again yeah and and that's you know there's no way to compete with that and that's even when 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 radio uh uh you know, sets down the shovel and jumps into the hole that they've dug for themselves. There, there's going to be nothing that 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 replaces it. You can throw something else on broadcasting, and yeah, there's stuff that's going to be interesting to wide range of people, but it's not music. 
Well, I think one of the tough things is, especially because I mean, I run also an HD station, right? Which is an NoControlRadio.com, ex- ladies. Yes, it's an extension of my format. Let's do it worldwide or uh, US wide. It's it's an extension of my format, and I get criticized for mixing black metal with death metal and death metal with thrash metal and new metal and all the all of it together. So, you know, it's a metal format, but then. People want it even more exactly. granular than that. Yeah. It's like, so you want nothing but death metal. Okay. Right. Well, that's not going to get a lot of people. <laughs> that's that's a really fine audience <laughs> is what that is. You know, you're really narrowing it down. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's who's people that go to Pandora and put in one dying fetus song and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and that's all they get. Yeah. It sounds the same. And I don't know. And I don't know if it's because we travel in circles with people that are interested in music that listen to music or anything like that, that that they're a little broader as far as what they listen to and are more open to it will listen to black metal or listen to death metal and listen to all of it together or if it's just the way of the world like that's what people do and rock radio you know rock radio now they play stuff that sounds like you said kind of like what they've always done because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear the same thing over and over uh, and over again. Yeah, I mean, I know you're looking at one set of statistics, and I'm looking at a different set of statistics that are saying that people are turning yeah, but it you're, off. You're taking that 5% of the audience that listens to nothing but exclusively internet radio and then breaking that down into this, oh, well, to you know, 50% say this. Well, 50% of your 5% say that versus the 70% that, li- okay, I've just bumped it. Seven percent, but the sixty-three percent that still listen to radio. Right. The way that I've always seen it, and in, in the at least in the way our measurement in radio has been, is that it, people want to hear the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's, oh, it's absolutely. Twisted. It's twisted. Always it's so counterintuitive, have. but it's the way. It, it's well, the, way it pans the, me- out. the medium is the message. I mean, you're broadcasting, and when you're doing anything that's broadcasted, the one thing you definitely cannot do is upset anybody. True. You have to make sure that everybody is comfortable. And there is one thing that people hate more than absolutely anything else, and it's not illegal immigrants, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's not. I don't know. Uh, we're in Texas. Homosexuals. It is. You know what it is? It's change. That's true. They hate freaking change. And that could be three minutes from now on the next song, or exactly. it can be you know whatever whatever change in their their little world is. No change. And that's why it feels very comfortable to turn on the radio and hear the same stupid song. That was not only on when they turned the radio off, but also was on yesterday and a week ago and a year ago and 10 years ago. And and you know what? Part of it, I think, I don't know, this is one of those stupid things that you think I'm going crazy. But I think part of it is people are really afraid to die. And if they get in their car and they are assured that time has not passed one iota, not a single moment has gone by since the first time they heard frickin' The Wall, you know, 30 years ago, that lets them think, you know what, I'm still I'm still, still 15. Young. I'm, still, I'm still 15, oh, man. Oh, it reminds me of that time that I was blah, exactly. blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And, and you know what? There Some are, of that nostalgia. It, it, but it's even deeper than nostalgia. It's this fear of dying. They're like, man, if I if I listen to something new, I am I am admitting that time has moved on and I've gone with it. Interesting. I mean, this all right, a- ladies and gentlemen, rewind the podcast, <laughs> smoke a lot of dope, and think about that for <laughs> right. a little while. Uh, you, uh, you just blow my mind, bro. <laughs> 
I'm t- I'm thinking about this in a whole new way now, man. But yeah, well, I think it's I think it's totally true, and I think that the the the, the you know, man, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta listen to something new today because something new is gonna blow your mind. You, you, you could. What's the 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 one of the greatest thinkers of the twentieth century, Paul Stanley of Kiss once said. <laughs> You may never. Love gun. Love gun. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. But, Love gun. <laughs> but he said, he said, he said, if you never take chances, then you'll always know where you'll end up. And it may be good, but it won't be great. Somebody took a chance on Enter Sandman. At 16 million albums later, we are all very, very, very thankful for it. Not as much as Lars. So what's the next chance? I don't know. I don't know. I think if we need Someone somebody. Took a chance on Nickelback. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah, screw that. Years dude. later, we have <laughs> yeah. whatever crappy. So I can't think of one. Here's a bird, rock star. That's the one. That's, I was, the, that's the worst the one. one. I was in my head. Oh my goodness, is the worst one. You know, there <laughs> there are two songs that I hate more than any. It's any song that like sings really fast and does the whole list thing. So like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. didn't start the fire or yeah, 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 or that yeah. bare naked lady song. Or the, uh, the you know REM, it's the end of the yes. world as we know it, or something like uh, that. Yeah, yeah, all those songs are the worst songs of all time, but coming close to beating it are are, are songs by rock, stars, rock stars by rock stars <laughs> who, who you can tell when you're listening to it. These have no idea, except for Kiss. <laughs> No, Kiss did it right. See, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, well, with, uh, except yeah, for that, wait, what's that? Rock what's that? and roll what's all that? night. You, uh, well, they, but they had a, a, a certain they, amount. Of, yeah, got, that's what I thought. They've got self-awareness. Mm. Shit. So uh, you, you don't think are, Nickelback has self-awareness? You wanna, uh, uh, we're Canadian and we're rock stars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know exactly what they're talking about. Uh, well, speaking of rock stars, we're gonna check in with Wendy Dio because that man. That's where time stopped. Was Ronnie when that James man passed Dio. away. Yeah, uh, dude, that was a sad day. I did. I cried. I cried yeah. for Ronnie James Dio. That I day. still feel a little bad about impersonating Ronnie James Dio and calling him, calling you at the station on his, uh, on a, the right after he passed away. That was uh, that. That was pretty bad. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I pretended I was in the belly of a dragon. <laughs> I didn't believe you. I wanted to believe you, but I didn't believe you. <laughs> the best part is I couldn't f- remember if he had a British accent. Or not. <laughs> he did not have a British he accent. He did not. Yeah. No. Sorry, he did not. He was uh, much more. He, he was very. He had a very clear voice for some. But yeah. the, he he had a angelic voice anyway when he yeah. sang. But we got the chance to speak with uh, Wendy Dio about the Stand Up and Shout Cancer Foundation and the new album that's coming out. Tribute to Ronnie James Dio with all kinds of people on it: Metallica, Motorhead, uh, who else? Killswitch Engage, Adrenaline Mob, and a, and a bunch of others, as well as uh, some history behind. Uh, his passing and all that. Wendy Dio on the Metal Sucks podcast. Matriarch of Metal, Wendy Dio, on the podcast. It's, uh, it's a great to speak to you. It really is. That's great. Such a strange thing to be talking to you because I never had the opportunity to speak to Ronnie because he was one of my idols. I was always afraid to interview the man because I never wanted to shatter what I thought he was. Ah, oh, you wouldn't have because he was such a wonderful human being. And that's what that's what I hear. I hear I hear he is was one of the like nicest people in the world. Very down to earth. Is that like a perspective, like my wife, if she were to talk about me, 
would say nothing but bad things. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure, sure if, like, you know. Maybe to you, but I'm sure she wouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, in general, she, she, I, you know, we've been together for long enough. I think I've, yeah, yeah. But, like, if I were to, you know, expire, I imagine, at least I hope, she'd probably say nicer things. Have you always had, like, a, you know, this positive a perspective on Ronnie? Of course not. <laughs> I've known her since 1974. <laughs> I'm sure I've had my my choice words for him, which shouldn't be repeated. So, so what what did Ronnie ever do to upset you? You seem like such a nice person. Oh yes. Well, the thing is, we're both very strong personalities, and that's the thing. Sometimes strong personalities clash about things. Uh, no, not anything major, but you know, so they, they clash. Especially when you work together. How was that working relationship? I mean, is that is that how you guys met and got together with, by working together and then then no. falling in I love? I had always been. I had worked to, uh, always in the music business, in record labels, and working for attorneys and um, booking agencies. But I met Ronnie through Richie Blackmore actually, because I knew um, Richie and the band and Richie's wife very well. And um, he had just formed Rainbow, and I uh, was at the Rain at the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Hollywood. And um, he was having a party at his house, and he invited me to go. And I went there, and that's where I met Ronnie. I didn't start managing Ronnie, and that was in probably I think 1974. We got married in 78. And I didn't start managing Ronnie until uh, Holy Diver, which was '81. His career kind of was on the upswing from the from the get go. I mean, you know, Rainbow was no small no small incident. No, it wasn't. Um, but very small incident pay. <laughs> mm. We had a big house to live in and uh, a nice car to drive. But once uh, that was over, we didn't have anything. So uh, we all. Came, we, we were living in Connecticut. We moved to California, and that's when Ronnie um, started writing and uh, auditioning for different bands and getting bands together himself. And then uh, he got the uh, gig with um, Black Sabbath. See, that must be like one of those times where you're like, Ronnie, you got to pick up a skill, you know? <laughs> Right? Is that scary at a certain point? Very scary. Very scary. Actually, I think the scariest part was when uh, when he left Sabbath and started uh, his own band, Dio. And um, when he he was going out for the first uh, shows, uh, we actually mortgaged our house to pay for the um, the uh, you know upstart costs of, of everything with the uh, the stage set and everything else. Now, did he did he have any other skills? I mean, if it hadn't worked out, no. <laughs> no, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie had a band when he was ten. Yeah, and that's all he ever did. He uh, he has a Buffalo. He went to Buffalo University and has a pharmacy degree, but he never did anything but play music. Yeah, I was going to say. I think he's such a such a force to be reckoned with musically. I don't think there's any way to keep him down. Oh, it's easy to say no. that he was undeniable now, but I imagine when you you know have to when mortgage your house, it, yeah. yeah, it's like ah, uh, will the world agree? <laughs> it's true. But the thing with Ronnie is always stuck to his guns. He did what he wanted to do, and he played the music the way he wanted to. And uh, you know that was that was that was the thing he clung to always. It was like that's why he was fired from Rainbow because he didn't want to write more commercial songs. He wrote one way, and that was the way he wanted to write, and that was the way he wanted to perform. And he stuck to what he wanted to do. Sounds exactly like the kind of guy your parents hoped you would end up with, right? 
<laughs> My parents actually loved Ronnie very, very much. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine this goes back to what we were saying earlier <laughs> about uh, perspective once, yeah. and you know, so later. when they, when you mortgage your house, did they love him? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, they lived in England, so they they were quite, quite aware of what was going on with us. <laughs> uh, great, another musician. And see, oh, that's boy. all pre-internet too. So it's like you could tell them, "Oh, we're on this real successful tour," but they don't. How would they believe it? You know, they're, right, they're like, exactly, exactly. You're yeah. just with some satanic metal the band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fun and exi- exciting times, and you know, innovative times where you know it, it was those are fun times. I mean, they're fun times when you're successful, but I think when you're really trying to make it and you're doing the things, it's like with Holy Diver. I mean, we were both so involved in the cover, we were so involved in the photos and what went inside and everything. Whereas, you know. Um, um, as, as you get more successful, there's other people that do that. So you, 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 you're away from it as much as in the beginning when everything's new and young and fresh. And it, when it's Rainbow or it's uh, other people's project, I mean, because I know that Richie was probably more the the head end of Rainbow and obviously the Black Sabbath thing. The Black he, Sabbath, Ronnie had really, um, he, had, he, he was at the helm in that. He was at that point? Absolutely. Yeah, the rest of those guys are just slackers. Everybody knows that. No, no, they're not slackers, but they're just they're musicians. Uh, Ronnie was more the musician. He knew how he wanted things presented. He was a total perfectionist. Sometimes a real, a real, <laughs> I don't know, hard person to work with because he was such a perfectionist. Mm. But you know, I think they, the, the Sabbath guys realized that, and, and they would let him run with the helm. Yeah, slackers, musicians, potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, because obviously that Black Sabbath sound totally changed when when uh, when Ronnie got on top of the on top of the mix there. Well, different, different, you know. I mean, different era, different era. Different oh yeah, bands, yeah. Could, could he at that point have just sort of just been Ronnie James Dio of Rainbow and Black Sabbath, and it be okay, or was there not? Was he unable to kind of do that at that point? Uh, I think at that point it was to uh, it was time to go into another band. Yeah. Right, but I mean, yeah. he, he he needed to do another notch in his belt. He needed to do something that was his at that point to really sustain his career. Absolutely. Gotcha. Of course, you know we we all know how everything everything wound up with, with the cancer diagnosis and stuff. How did the how did all that happen? It seemed like everything happened really quickly there toward uh, toward the end. Ronnie had have been having stomach pains for a couple of years, actually, um, and we had gone to specialists, and they said, oh, it's just indigestion, and they'd given him um, lots of indigestion stuff to take, and um, and then it got really bad, and so I took him to our local GP, not a specialist, and just for some tests and things, and he said, well, let me take some blood tests, and then it came back. He said, well, you know, well, let's do an ultrasound, and let's do a colonoscopy, and all these things, and and then all of a sudden, you know, it was stage four. Oh, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. I was like, it happened within... He, well, he was diagnosed with the cancer on the 13th of... Friday the 13th of November in 2009. And he passed away in May uh, 16th, 210. Oh, so See, quick. I get like a blood test like once a month and... I'm worried that they're not checking the right stuff. Well, they don't. They, you, you, you know, when you take a blood test, it has to be pl- tested for certain, I mean, lots of different things. You, you have to know what you're looking for. You take a blood test, and it'll only give you what the doctor has asked for it to be tested for. Mm. What was the emotion like when all, that, when all that happened, when he got diagnosed? 
Was that, well, I mean, devastating? Really, or? Really, it, was, uh, it was really, really scary. Um, I spent the whole... That whole weekend uh, in November on the Internet trying to find the best hospital to get into, which I found was MD Anderson in Houston, which had a 15, uh, they had for 15 years, they had been number one uh, cancer specialist for stomach cancer. And I had been trying to get in there, and um, but I couldn't, I, I didn't get through to anyone. I was calling everyone, and we ended up getting into the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So we flew out there and saw a very horrible doctor who just said, um, well, you know, stage four cancer, you're going to die, nothing I can do about it. And we just, I mean, we went back to the hotel and we just cried all night long. We just cried, but, you know, I'm, I don't give up. And then the next morning there was, a, there was an email from um, this Dr. Johnny in uh, MD Anderson because TJ, Tony Martell from TJ Martell, who is a wonderful man, he, um, he was the one who um, got us into uh, uh, MD Anderson. So we flew from Minnesota to Houston and we saw this Dr. Johnny who looked at the, um, all the uh, results and he said, well, you know, I, I can't guarantee anything, but I'll try my hardest and nobody can, no one knows when someone's going to die. Yeah. So let's see what we can do. And um, they were fabulous people there. They were fabulous. Unfortunately, it was just too late for Ronnie, but it, and that's why we formed the Cancer Fund to, for research and education, um, only for men's cancers prostate, colon, and stomach cancers because women are very good about getting checked. They usually go and get checked. Men do not. You have to drag them there. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is educate men that early detection saves lives. And, you know, like Tony Iommi was diagnosed with a mm -hmm. lymphoma, and I think he probably wouldn't have even got the diagnosis if what happened to Ronnie hadn't happened. And, and he's totally in remission. He's great. You know, if it ain't bleeding, we don't go to doctors. That's going to rule of thumb yeah but you know i mean it's just a checkup just an annual mm -hmm. checkup is as you know a prostate exam okay so it's a bit uncomfortable but hey depends on what women have to go through it's not <laughs> that bad yeah i was gonna say every year that uh, yeah my wife is the same way it's like yeah you need to go get this checked I'm like, eh, you know i didn't break an arm i'm fine no, but no, it's very important. And I think once you're over 50, you should go and get a colonoscopy. Oh. That way, you know, they can look and see what's going on inside. Yeah, I get prostate checks recreationally. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's... I mean, in a way, did did you guys cross over into that um, into that area? I know that some people, when they get to di a diagnosis like that, in into that area of liberation where it's also sort of you know that that this is coming and you know that the the end uh, the end is near and it's like no we did no? not believe it was true we we figured we would kill the dragon we called it the dragon and we were going to kill the dragon and we were determined both of us that that um he wasn't going to die. And um, actually, the chemo was working very well, and we had had a new drug called Avastin, which he was on um, uh, chemo, and that was doing really, really well. Uh, it took a lot of the cancer away. He went blind in one eye, and um, and after the Avastin, he got his sight back. It was working. It was killing uh, the, you know, the, the cancer spreads out all over. It was killing that. Unfortunately, um, he hadn't taken taken it in time and and it had spread to the liver and once that was gone to the liver then but he was fine up until i mean he was at the golden gods awards two weeks before he passed away oh, I, and, I remember um, seeing him yeah. 
yeah, and and just on that on that Friday morning again, um, he called me and said, you know, because I was I was on my way to Chicago. I was going to the Nam show, and um, the Norm show. Sorry, the Norm show, <laughs> and Chicago. And he called me and he said, you know, I'm not feeling good. I think I'm going to go to the hospital. So I turned around and I said, well, I'm coming back. You know, no, carry on. I'm, I'm. I said, no, no, I'm coming back. So I came back and we went to the hospital, and his pains were like excruciating, absolutely excruciating. They had to give him morphine and then more morphine and then more morphine until he went into a coma and he passed away on the Sunday. Christopher Hitchens had, um, when he passed away. Uh, recently, he wrote a book right before he did, and he did, one of the things that struck me when I read it was him talking about how, with all of his friends, if they asked him how he was doing, he like got very resentful of it. But if they didn't ask him how he was doing, he was very resentful of that too. And no, Ronnie was not like that. Ronnie was like all his friends were there. There were like thirty people in the hospital the whole weekend. We were there. Um, no, um, they all came to see him. Everyone was. Uh, we were all. You know, we we just talked about old times. We had fun together. Um, Ronnie loved people asking him how he was doing. Yeah, I'm killing the dragon as well. I'm doing. You know, he was very very positive. Very very positive. You want every story to kind of have the. Uh, some sort of climax was there like just that one night or that one day for ronnie that just sort of encapsulates everything or was this sort of triumphant uh ending that you know when the movie gets made that that's where it happens well unfortunately for ronnie it wasn't triumphant ending um but uh we we i mean we went to santa barbara a week before ronnie was um passed away with a bunch of friends and I think that was really nice the friends that we hadn't seen for a while they were there and and we had a nice lunch although Ronnie couldn't eat anything but um I think that was probably our last goodbyes really with with people because when people came to the hospital Ronnie was already in a coma um we all just sat with him um for the three days was there a bucket list of Ronnie's of course he didn't complete all of them, but his book, he, he's written, you know, his book, he's written like three quarters of it. And um, I keep saying I'm going to finish it, and I will, I will. It's just been hard to, to dig it up and go through all the memories and things, but I, I will finish it and probably this year. Yeah, Chuck would men- was mentioning it before we started, and my reaction was, if I'm writing an autobiography, I don't ever want to finish it. <laughs> No, he had. I mean, Ronnie was a great storyteller. The, the book is really interesting. Even even if he wasn't a rock star, it, it, just his stories are interesting. His childhood stories and the stories he has. It, it's uh, it was something he wanted to do. He wanted that book out. So I will make sure it comes out. Well, what's interesting is is that even though he may be gone, it doesn't seem like his story is over. Oh, his story is never going to be over. His legacy and his music will live on forever, and I'll make sure of that. You know, I really, that's the one thing I want to make sure that his music, his legacy uh, carries on. And we, the the bad thing of Ronnie passing, we put into a good thing by raising money for the cancer fund and maybe saving somebody else's life. And I know that I know that a lot of people give probably well you too you uh, as well. But uh, I've seen it before where, especially when you're still either putting stuff out or releasing their music. They give you shit about trying to do stuff about, or using their legacy to make a buck. That, oh, yeah. that just seems no. like, I don't know, because what you're doing with the with the, the tribute album is 100% of those proceeds are going to be going to the cancer fund, correct? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Everybody gave their time and talent for it, and it's a fantastic lineup. And most of these people had a very... Um, 
uh, tight connection with Ronnie, either very good friends or they had toured with Ronnie or there was some kind of connection there. It wasn't just people that we pulled off just to put an album together. These are people that cared and loved for Ronnie and, and, and admired his music but loved him as a person. That's got to be exciting to see the, all those people wanting to come together to do something like this. I was really, really humbled, and I think that Ronnie would have been so humbled and so honored. The one I'm looking forward to the most is probably the, the I haven't heard, I haven't heard you the haven't whole. haven't heard anything? I've heard, the, I've heard uh, the Motorhead. Uh, uh, I've, yeah. heard, I've heard Starstruck, but mm-hmm. uh, the one I'm looking forward to the most is probably the Metallica medley, personally. It's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. They brought 70s music into the 21st century. And they did. It's got Metallica stamp on it. It's a Rainbow song, and it's Ronnie songs, but it's got the Metallica stamp on it. They did an amazing job. Amazing, amazing job. Everybody did. How how has the music that you play in the house changed after Ronnie? Do you <sighs> did you listen to like totally different music from what he did? Yes, yes. Ronnie listened a lot of time to classical music because he didn't want to steal other people's ideas. So a lot of times he would listen to classical music because, of course, the way he listened to music, totally different to the way I listened to music because I listened to it for enjoyment. He listened to it for ideas and writing and stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I like blues. I'm, 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 a, I'm a blues person. It reminds me a little bit of the early days of Rainbow. Is that what kind of attracted you to that, to that kind of bluesy rock sound thing? Uh-huh. Well, I was a big Deep Purple um, fan, nice. and, um, you know, I, the, the, that blues, uh, uh, Eric Clapton, John Mayo and the Blues Breakers, all those, that was my kind of music, Jimi Hendrix. The one thing that disappoints me probably the, the most, especially about the United States, is that, that we have no memorial for people like your, uh, like your late husband. I think there's what, they got. there's a statue in Bul- Bulgaria of, yes, uh, of yes, Ronnie. Yes, there is. Uh-huh, uh, absolutely. But I've talked about this with a couple of friends of mine and how we don't seem to honor the people whose whose legacy should live on in, in that respect. Do you think that's something that may happen eventually? No, I don't no? see it happening. I'd like it to happen, but I don't see it happening here. There's too much politics, too much money involved. Nobody cares about anything but money here. Um I mean, even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, look at the people they've left out. I mean, Ronnie being one, Motorhead, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, you know, Deep Purple, innovators of of, of heavy metal music. I mean, we don't even have that. So to have memorials for them, I think that's even going one step more that we couldn't do. Is it up to private citizens to make that happen? The people. It that, is. It yeah. is definitely is. Yes, because we tried to get something um, erected here in LA uh, for Ronnie, and uh, basically, if you want to pay for it, uh, astronomical fees, then you can do it. I think it's time to crowdfund it. Yeah, crowdfund yeah. it. But time Kickstarter. it out with the uh-huh, book. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> time it out with the book. Now you don't need to put it in LA. I, no, I think that's perfect. No, there's a lot of empty land, though, uh, places you can get a little less expensive. Actually, well, because uh, I'm from the uh, San Antonio area, and it, it, going to see Ronnie James Dio in San Antonio is like going to see the Pope. That's a great town. He loved that town. That was a great town for for for, uh, for the audience, for the fans, amazing fans in San Antonio. Oh, was... I would suggest putting the statue in Cleveland just facing the rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And instead of the horns, he's throwing the middle finger. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> pointing them at you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right.
the main mission of the Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund, you talked about like awareness and making uh, making men more aware about cancer. Is that the main function, or are you guys actually no, trying research, to do other research, stuff, research? research? Yeah, most of the, our money goes to MD Anderson for their, they have a research uh, on stomach cancers, and then the other money goes to uh, TJ Martel, which in turn gives, we earmark it, so it has to go to some place. I don't want any of this money going into administration costs, mm-hmm. so we always earmark it, and it goes into uh, a Vanderbilt in Nashville uh, for prostate, colon, and stomach cancer research. Has there been any progress? Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, uh, the, the money we gave, $117,000 to to MD Anderson, which uh, for stomach cancer. Uh, stomach cancer wasn't, is not, um, it, there's a lot of people being diagnosed for it lately, but there's not a lot of research done on it and there's not a lot of funds being provided. Because we um, gave them 117000 somebody else, some other corporation or someone gave them 500000 Now they had 600000 because the government saw that that was happening there's grants, and they then got $11 million grant from our seed money that we gave them. And they are researching stomach cancer now. They're, they are definitely going ahead with that. I mean, breast cancer years ago used to be a death, a death warrant. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, early detection and uh, the right medications, and, you know, people go into remission, they're fine. It's not a death warrant anymore. Even, you know, leaps and bounds in genetic testing and other things that can kind of tell you the triggers and things that may happen out of that. It's all from research. Absolutely, absolutely. We're also uh, uh, working with this um, this lady that um, she worked for 15 years with the, police, uh, with the police department for search and rescue dogs, training search and rescue and cadaver dogs. And 10 years ago, her mother passed away from cancer. But she said, why can't I, why can't I train a dog to sniff cancer? And I'm seeing these trials, and it's amazing. They can check it when it's zero, I've when you've that. just got the first seat, which if we could get that happening, you know, you, you breathe into a tube, you go to the doctors for your annual checkup, you breathe into a tube, uh, the tube goes away to the lab, the lab checks it whether it's, uh, whether it's um, uh, cancerous or not, and that's, that's, you know, or even make uh, like pregnancy testing you buy in the store. You buy one of these, you breathe in it, you send it to the lab, and, and you find out whether or not you're okay. Now, that's available now or no? I mean, it's amazing. A lot of people don't believe in it, but I've seen the, tra- t- the trials on it, and it's been amazing. So not available yet? No. But that's something that they're... FDA so... approval, which will take forever and a day. But oh. we, are, <laughs> we, are, uh, we have applied for FDA approval on it, and we have a... Uh, some friends of ours actually and one of them sits on the, our board of directors we have 14 people on our board and they are their lawyers and they're funding her legal fees to try and get this passed can i get it like next time i go on vacation in mexico or something like the drugstore there <laughs> no <laughs> it probably won't be through to not in our lifetime but maybe oh. next lifetime uh. by the time fda approves anything Chuck's got two dogs. Now, if he could train one of them to do this, maybe I'd be more interested in stopping by more often. Well, that's right. Well, and you know what? We use rescue dogs. So it's dogs that are being rescued from the shelter as well, which that was a very a charity very dear to Ronnie's heart and mine, animal charities. When he was Your alive. dog already tries to give me a prostate exam every time I stop by. So. <laughs> We've got some kind of cancer going on. If, yeah. if that's what he's detecting. <laughs> I don't, I don't So which individual member of Metallica has been the most supportive of this organization? God, Lars. 
and James, both of them, both of them. I mean, all of them. Do you ever send a memo to, like, when one gives you some money, do you send a memo to the other one to say, hey, Lars is now up ahead (laughs) of you? They actually made a $10,000 donation right when Ronnie passed away from the band. I think they were one of the first people to make that donation into the charity. Well, good. Now we've got to get Dave Mustaine to match that. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse my laughter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk a little more about the record. What uh, <laughs> what are some of your favorite songs on there? We talked about the Metallica. We talked about Motorhead, obviously. But what what are some of the your favorite renditions of uh, of Ronnie's music? Oh, they're all great. Corey Taylor did a fantastic. Uh, Stone guys did a fantastic job in Rainbow in the Dark. Gosh, Neon Knights is amazing with Anthrax. Um, Jack Black and Kyle from Tenacious D did Last in Line. They did. How did that turn out? Was that was like I have like I said I had not heard that yet. Is that is that just amazing or what? It is. It is amazing. It's Uh, very amazing. They brought recorders on it, and it and Jack's got such a great voice. Anyway, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but he does have a great voice. Oh yeah. Um, Let's see. Straight through the heart, hailstorm did a fantastic Mm -hmm. job on that. Um, We got Temple of the King. Oh, Scorpions. It sounds like should be their song. Right. It's 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 Temple of the King is perfect song for Scorpions. Uh, Holy Diver, Killer Switch Engage, of course, they had already done that, mm-hmm. which is great. Doro had already done Egypt, which is great. Catch the Rainbow, Glenn Hughes, uh, Simon Wright, Craig Goldie, Rudy Zaza, Scott Warren. And Glenn, I mean, what can you say about Glenn? Glenn was one of Ryan's yeah. very, very best friends. I've uh, known him since 73, I think. Um, and, you know, he, he sang uh, Catch the Rainbow at our private funeral and also at the memorial. And he's just an amazing, amazing singer. He was one of Ronnie's favorite singers, him along with Paul Rogers. Um, I, which is a song from uh, the Dehumanizer uh, album from um, Sabbath, not a well-known song, but uh, has done very well with Oni Logan, Jimmy Bain, Ron Robertson, and Brian Titchy. Man on Silver Mountain, Rob Halford. What can I say about that? Oh, you know? yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, of course, we end with, with Ronnie with This Is Your Life. So when you do the sequel album, who's left? Who? who? Uh, there's a lot of people left. A lot of people left. A lot of people wanted to be on this. I was going to say. Um, but the problem was, was scheduling. I had been talking about this album for like over two and a half years. And I got to the point where I couldn't even talk about it anymore because people thought I was crazy or I wasn't going to do it or something. I said, finally, you know, we have to get this out. And then I got the deal with uh, Warner Brothers Rhino worldwide. And then they, of course, said we have to get well, They gave us a time frame. So a lot of people that wanted to be on here, the scheduling didn't work out. And we had to say, okay, fine, we've got 14 songs. We have to go. Does any of this kind of work in conjunction with the Disciples? Uh, Disciples did. There's a, a Disciples did a song on the Japanese. We got two bonus tracks. One is Striper, Heaven and Hell, mm-hmm. and one is Dear Disciples, Stand Up and Shout. That's on the uh, on the uh, bonus tracks for Japan. And I'm guessing, like the Disciples are uh, sanctioned as well, and that's all. That's all happy go lucky too, right? Yeah, I mean, they, we, we, you know, they do a couple of shows here and there. We're not actually doing, they're not doing any shows now until, they do Monsters of Rock Cruise is what they're 
which is uh, where mm-hmm. the Monster Rock's official charity. So they'll play on that. But um, they're really, you know, we'll really just leave it to do special things or, or something. Is there like future plans possibly? I mean, with all the amazing people that are on this on this tribute album, is there a possibility someday to, for that to turn into a show, like a one-off show or something like that, or a, a, an annual no, type thing? That would be a headache to organize. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, talk getting, about. I'm getting a pain just thinking about it. <laughs> I was going to ask her whether she missed the music business, but it sounds like she just answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> this was hard enough, believe me. Getting, you know, the bands are fantastic, and doing that was was wonderful. But getting all the releases from all the photographers and the managers and the record labels and everything else is is, is a headache from hell. But the business side of that is is definitely rough. Yes. And putting a show together <laughs> would be, well, we're doing the gala. You know we're doing the gala, right? Yes. And, um, on the 17th of March at the Avalon. Um, and we have, you know, we have, uh, um, well, we're, we're honoring Rob Halford for um, his long association with Ronnie and all the things that he's done for us for the charity. Uh, we're honoring Greg Fieldman, who is a producer, uh, Metallica's producer. And he helped me through the whole thing. We're putting, streaming all the songs together, making sure everything was the same sound level, uh, going to the mastering, doing all those things. Larry Moran is the um, producer of the Monsters of Rock Cruise, who has raised a lot of money for us last year. I think they raised over $60,000 for us. We're hoping to double that this year. Um, and Tim Kaha is from ESP Guitars, who have given us so many guitars for auctions and silent auctions and live auctions and all kinds of stuff for the charity. So that's really... Um, great. And then we've got a bunch of people performing. I mean, we've got uh, Corey Taylor uh, with Stone Sour Guys. Um, we have Hailstorm performing. We have Only Logan and Jimmy Bain, Ron Robertson. Uh, Scott Ian is going to come up, Duff McKagan. Um, the, you know, the, the list goes on. Every day there's more people joining to to, um, to uh, perform at the, at the gala or attend it, which is great. Yeah, so you're already doing it, though. So, so now you just make well, that happen every one. year? Yeah, a small one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just, would have loved Metallica to have been in town, but unfortunately they're in South America. I was going to say, you just make that happen every year, and boom, you got a you got a whole thing going on. Right? Full-time job. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. No kidding, right? <laughs> I'm a bit tired out right now from all these things. <laughs> I'm sure. Speaking of which, I think we'll we'll, we'll let you get get back to it. We, we definitely appreciate you taking your time out, and it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. Well, as I said, thank you for your support. You know, without people like you to support the the metal community wouldn't exist how should people uh uh you know get in touch to either donate stuff for the foundation or or to mail their checks in or however how can they do that okay you go to www.docancerfund.org excellent uh, mm-hmm. no, we th- thank you very much and look you, forward to the to the very, album very much appreciate it very much <laughs> Does she see the things up closer every day to my heart? 
latest from Indian. It's called Directional on the Metal Sucks podcast. From All Purity is the new record. Got to see them during South by and uh, they were loud as fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's about all I can say is to describe them as they were fucking loud. And I thought I we had thought that uh, Kyleza had blown the PA or something had happened and like left for a second. And next thing you know. What do you hear? You hear Indian like five blocks away. It's like, holy shit. That is just loud. So I guess they, they, they all those noise ordinances and stuff. No, no, no it's South by. So, it, so, it, so they, don't, they don't care about noise or ordinance or South by Southwest. But uh, no, they were pretty badass. And the reason I wanted to play them was because they, it popped up on uh, Metal Sucks, I guess, uh, last yeah. week that... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, the, one of the singers of Indian... Does not like Deaf Heaven. I'm not a Deaf Heaven fan. <laughs> but well, the, the, do, you, do you have the quote or no? Uh, I'd have to see if I can fish it out. Because, dude, the, that quote was, like, pretty vicious. It was. What but was funny was it was a quote about talking about extremes, and the, the, the quote was pretty fucking extreme. Right. He has an extreme reaction. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, it kind of reminded me of the extreme reaction that I would have gotten out of, like, you know, my uncle who only listens to classical the first time I played for, um, you know, a death metal demo. You know, it's the same thing. You know, so I, maybe I should try reading it in the voice of, like, my uncle. But oh, maybe. Um, I really don't care about it, meaning Deaf Heaven. Honestly, I don't give a shit about Deaf Heaven. Deaf Heaven's certainly not my idea of something extreme. I mean, I start thinking of things extreme on any spectrum, and they're the last thing I think of. I don't find singing about Satan, wearing makeup, and spending an hour dressing up to play shows like you're some fucking trust fund kid from Scandinavia, richest part of the world, interesting. You know what? Fuck you. Your idea of extreme <laughs> means nothing new to me. <laughs> it's, it's like he got angrier as he was saying that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, totally. You know, you know what? You know what? Fuck you too. You, you just, I'm, I'm out of here. It's kind of like he's having a conversation With in his himself. head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like going on in there. Uh, like what the hell? What? What I I think the most interesting thing about that is I think it's just so weird that everybody has an opinion on that band. Right. Yeah, you know, and everybody seems to know them. First off. Or know something about them, or know have seen them before, and it's just weird. I thought it was interesting the way that he didn't do what a lot of people I hear do, which are the the black metal, oh. uh, you know, purists who are like, I can't believe they're mixing it with shoegazer and all this other alternative yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. It, it's so awful that they're doing that. Well, and then the ones who don't have, or haven't listened to it just pick on the fact that it's got a pink cover. Yeah. Right, <laughs> but they, they don't sing about Satan, do they? I don't clean. pay attention to lyrics too uh, often, so uh, I don't neither know. Neither do I. Uh, I don't think they wear makeup, do they? You know, I've talked about it on the show that, that I'm not a fan of Def Heaven, right. so I haven't ever, I haven't really. I mean, I've listened to it, yeah, I've heard it, but I never really got like into it, into it. So yeah, I like it. I'm just, it's not. I don't know. It's not something that like I throw on all the time, but you know, the first time I heard it, I go, "Hey, I like what these guys are trying to do." I'll I'll take my wolves in the throne room and leave. Yeah. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna go for the shoegaze black metal, I will I will go for the wolves in the throne room and and yeah. kindly take my ball and go home because <laughs> um, that that's just much more of my speed. Even though it's about the same speed, yeah, it's just more minor chords <laughs> instead of major chords, and it seems to be less pink, more like forests <laughs> and 
cold and it's kind of dark in there. And, I love that. Even in know. the digital era, an album cover really upsets people. Man, dude, <laughs> you see pink and you're like, fuck you, man. Pink ain't the new black. Orange is the new black, asshole. No, I, I don't know. I just thought it was funny because, I mean, you see bands talk shit about each other all the time. And, and sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's kind-hearted or it's, you know, just ribbon or whatever. This was like, wow, he's... He's just pissed off. Yeah. He's angry about something. He's well, and after seeing them live, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah he's kind of angry. Yeah. Yeah. Rape. <laughs> Rape. <laughs> Rape. I just love the fact Rape. that like it, it almost doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just it's just anger it's rather yeah. pure anger and that's Which fine is totally fucking metal it's it's totally great <laughs> yeah it's totally great it, you know it, it, and i would love to hear the retort from uh deaf heaven but i imagine the reaction would be a mixture of uh probably a little bit of glee you know because i think that at the end of the day they're really glad that people have an extreme reaction to what they do it's somebody else talking about your band that's always good and it's an it's your band being in a headline again. Yeah. And if nothing else, anything that makes people we talk, we're talking about the radio thing. Anything that makes people react one way or another is what you want. Right. Doesn't matter if they hate it or they love it. It's they're reacting to it. They took the time to pay attention to it and react to it. And that is why I love people hating this podcast <laughs> because they listened to it at least that one time and said, you guys fucking are stupid and we're never coming back to your podcast again. Thank you very much. This has been the metal sucks podcast. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>